0: thank you good morning now I just have to find my message oh I think someone moved it but good morning I think it's at my table it's in a green folder if anyone sees a green folder well I can do this part with nothing (laughs) so Anyway, um, thank you for having me this morning. I am very excited to be here. I've been actually going to this church for 20 years and uh, seven years on the field. Thank you. That girl right there, I like her a lot. Thank you. (laughs) So um, my ministry has been dedicated um, to fighting human trafficking in various ways for the last seven years, and uh, that can look very different. It can be helping children on the street that are at risk, women that are at risk, or survivors of human trafficking. But it seems like uh, every year the children get younger. And this is the face of sex trafficking now in the world today. When I first started this ministry in 2010, they were reporting that 27 million people in the world were slaves, and now as I stand before you, they're saying 45 million. So this is a problem that is increasing. It is an emergency, it's an epidemic, and as the church, we need to hear about this because we have a responsibility that, to defend those that cannot defend themselves. And as I see the numbers grow, there's a fuel in me that makes me more determined to keep fighting. And it's only something that God can, can give me. God has done um, many, many things in the ministry that I am grateful for. Um, but our future vision um, is not just to work in Mexico, but I've always seen this ministry going international. And our next step is a very exciting one, so you can shout at any time. Um, but we thank you. Yes! I don't even know what it is. But <laughs> but we are looking to build safe house communities. So yes, somebody shout. (laughs) What I have always said is you cannot rescue anyone if you have nowhere to take them. And that's the gap inside the human trafficking industry. So we are in the very, very beginning stages of this. It will take years to complete, many, many resources, but I have formed a team of people and we are praying, we are strategically uh, meeting and planning for the future. Um, this is something that I see not just being one home, but several homes in a community where people are receiving education, they're learning skills, and they're having complete holistic restoration to what they need. The needs of victims of human trafficking are far greater than is what's being provided right now for them. So please pray, because... This is going to take years to accomplish, and we need that um, covering. So with the growth of the ministry, this beautiful woman who just gave me that green folder, um, Katrina Kalinowski, she, you can stand up because I see you, she is going to be the first full-time missionary for Relentless Pursuit. So she will be joining me full-time in July. We're very excited about that because She's going to be filling gaps that the ministry has had for a long time. And with her coming full time, it will allow the ministry grow in strength and in grace. And so also, um, Jeriel Harris and Nina Smith are going to be coming to Mexico for two weeks in May. I'm going to be mentoring them in missions. They've asked me to do that. Um, They have a heart and a calling for um, missions to um, the world. And so I'm going to be working with them. And of course, not least, but Yvonne, uh, my fiancé, is in Tijuana. He couldn't be here this time, but he's studying to be a pastor full-time. So praise, um, praise God for that, and um, keep praying for him. <clears throat> so we continue work um, as a ministry in a safe house in Tijuana, Mexico, and among many other th- outreaches that we do. But right now we currently have 11 girls um, we, our youngest is only six years old, and um, our oldest is 20. So, you know, we praise God for their rescue, um, even though what has happened to them has been horrific. God is such a great redeemer, and he's working uh, among them. So um, the story I'd like to share with you today is about this young six-year-old girl who has come to our safe house And I know sometimes that things that I share are difficult to hear. Um, I totally understand. (laughs) They're difficult to see. It's difficult. But as the church, we need to know that this is happening, and we need to take responsibility for God's children that cannot defend themselves. So um, I'd like you to just push through listening to some of these things. Um, When this little girl came, this is her on Christmas, I make lasagna for them every Christmas. And this was our dinner. You can tell how little she is. And um, it was beautiful because we already had two of her sisters that have been already rescued, and we've already worked with them. So these three sisters are reunited. And um, that's a whole other story in itself that will make me cry. But she loves to do art therapy. She draws herself and her family And she sits and tells me how much she misses her mother, but her mother was actually the one who was exploiting her. They told me that it was going to be really hard to bond with her and to uh, create trust because she had already been abused by men, by women, and her own family members. And so it takes a lot of time to build trust with these young women, these young children, because everybody in her whole life, in her whole world, that she should have been able to trust already broke that. So um, I would love to be able to take you all to Tijuana and show you the miracles that God does, but the Lord gave me a way to connect with her, and today I'd ask a, I asked a little special friend to come and to help me to show you how we created this bond. Hi. So one day when I was at the safe house, all of the girls were saying goodbye and hugging me. I was about to leave for the day. And this little one was at my side and she just kept staring at me. And it takes me about a half hour to leave because I get multiple hugs. So, you know, we just kept, kept coming up and hugging me. And as she keeps staring at me, I could tell that she wanted to connect, but I wasn't really sure How? And so I remembered the pinky promise. And so I said to this little girl, Do you want to be my friend? Yes. And she says, Yes. And then as I'm still waiting to leave and the girls are still hugging me goodbye, I can see out of the corner of my eye that she's still staring at me and that she still wanted something more. And so I said, Well, all I have to go on right now is this pinky promise. So I tried again and I said, Do you want to be my friend forever? Yes. And she says, yes. And so again, by the third time, I'm still trying to leave, and I can see her still staring at me. And so this time I turned to her, and as I turned, she just lifted her arms, and I said, Honey, do you want me to hold you? Yes. And she says, yes. And so I take her, and I bring her into the living room, and I swoop her up. And she hugs me, and we have a long snuggle. And I tell her that nobody's going to hurt her, and that she's safe now, and that I'm going to watch over her, and she doesn't have to be afraid. I don't know the last time she was held, but God gave me this gift of a moment to hold this little girl And so we snuggled, and I gave her a big hug. Thank you for your help today. Give her a. It was just uh, a few days after that that she skipped her way into the kitchen, and I was cooking lunch, and she said to me, Does God live in the sky? And as I explained to her that God lives everywhere and that he could live in her heart, she accepted Jesus as her savior. God, such a great redeemer and so faithful that he not only rescued her once from exploitation, but he rescued her twice into the kingdom of God. I know, yeah. I know that God did not orchestrate her abuse, but I know that he orchestrated her salvation, and he rescued her and brought her to where she needed to be. Now, when I was a younger Christian, not that I'm an old Christian, but when I was a younger Christian, I remember sitting on my bed one day, on the side of the bed, talking to the Lord, and I remember asking him to make me a minister to the brokenhearted. And I had no idea what I was asking for because I didn't know that that would mean I would be surrounded by suffering people all the time. I'm not only in Mexico, but it seems everywhere I go, people are hurting me, um, excuse me, hurting and confiding in me. And so I've learned that there's one common denominator between all people. It doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, and that is that we have all experienced pain. We've experienced disappointment, loss, tragedy, crisis, and sometimes those crises that you go through, no one has answers for. Sometimes those things can even throw us into a theological crisis of where is God in my darkness? Where is God in the pain? Does God see me? Does he hear me? Does he even know where I am? It is really easy to praise God when things are going good. It is so easy to walk into church when, you know, your bills are paid and you got food in the house and you got a car to drive and, and your life is going good and, and everything's in order and you come in here and praise God, can I get a witness? But when things hit home, what do we believe about God when we are hurting? What do we believe about God when we are in the dark, when we get a phone call that says, you have to come quick because your father's not doing well, when you get a call that says there's been an accident, it doesn't look good, or you get a diagnosis that you know it might take your life, or you find out that your child that you love has been hiding a serious drug addiction. What do we believe about God when we're hurting? It is in the darkness many times that we are looking for proof, for evidence of God to be real. But it is in those dark times where God is taking us to prove and to test the faith of the righteous. Do we believe that God is good when we're hurting? Do we believe that he's merciful or just in the darkness? His heart for us is that we wouldn't waver and that our faith in him would be sure in his character. We would know who he is and that he would deliver us. And it is in the darkness that we learn the deep, deep love of Jesus, And if you are a person here that has gone through the fiery furnace, you can say that, yes, I've been through that and I'm on the other side. And you can testify where God was in that. And you can start to see, oh, yes, God brought me through. God wants you to know him in the most profound and intimate way possible as he knows us. And he will not leave us to the lesser things of this world but he summons us to know his heart. And today I feel that this message is very prophetic for some of you because I feel so strongly that God is saying, choose me. Choose me in the darkness. Choose me in the darkest place of your life, of your heart, when you cannot see just how to take one step. Choose me. Now, some people believe that the development of our faith is supposed to be easy. You know, we, there's this belief in some Christianity uh, that says, you know, Christians shouldn't suffer. I have no idea what Bible they're reading, but it is truly not accurate. But we go through. All the disciples of Jesus suffered just, just horrific things. They suffered as they walked with the Lord and the Lord always came out showing him, I am God. I am Lord. And we can't just pray away every trial that comes our way. Yes, we are special children of God. Yes, we have the authority of God. Yes, we have the power of God, the spirit of God. But I'm saying that you cannot just rebuke the fiery furnace. You have to go through. You have to go through the shadow You have to go through you know if you think of a woman that is you know giving birth sometimes in in the birth process a doctor will suggest an epidural so the woman doesn't feel the pain and it just numbs her body and many of us are believing that that's what our Christianity is supposed to be like in the trial but we are forming a faith that will be proved as gold when we're on the other side of this thing And the process of the development of faith, it hurts. I think many times it is like the woman who's delivering the baby without the epidural. And she's pushing, and she's hurting, and she's crying, and her body is breaking, and her body is bleeding, and she's crying out, and she screams. And then the other side of it, they hand her a baby. There's a delivery. There is a promise on whatever you are walking through, but the process, it hurts. But I will tell you, God never causes pain without causing something else to be born. God never will leave you empty handed and make you go through something that hurts you without bringing you to another side. He doesn't leave you in the dark. He takes you through the dark. I feel that there's a really good prophetic picture of this in in Exodus 33. Do you guys remember the story when, when God put Moses in the cleft of the rock? You know, Moses had a heart like many of us. And he said, God, if I have seen favor in your sight, show me your ways. Show me your glory, God. And so God says to him, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you, and you will proclaim my name, the Lord. But God has to take him into the place in the rock where it's broken, a place in the rock where it's dark, a place where no one can see him, where no one can distract him, and where no one can interrupt the process of God forging his perfect will into the life of Moses. And so God puts Moses in the cleft of the rock, and he puts his hand over the cleft of the rock, and he says, I'm going to pass by, and you won't be able to see my face because no man can see my face and live, but you will see my back. And what I love about that story is that many times in the darkness, we don't see God coming, but we know when he's been there. We can see that he has passed by. And it's in the dark that God is passing by. When you feel the tremble and the shaking, and you think it's your life falling apart, it's actually when God is passing by. When it seems like abandonment or that God has rejected you, It is when he is passing by and he is delivering you. And you, my friends this morning, you're no different. He will not leave you to the smallness of what you know. Because love doesn't leave us in the smallness. God wants to show you his greatness. And God is here this morning again saying, choose me. In the darkness, he is for you and he loves you. And maybe what happened in your life wasn't good, but God is shifting and rearranging and repositioning and moving in a way that is so far beyond what we can see. There is an aerial view of your life that you cannot see from now. We are just seeing in part our life. But there is a view that God sees, and he says, you just hold on because you've no idea what I'm about to do. You just hold on in the darkness. I know you can't see where you're going, but I just want you to hold on a little bit more and just choose me and know that I am faithful. It was in Moses' life where he had commissioned joshua to lead israel and at the end of moses's life he wrote a song god gave him a song in deuteronomy 32 and in verse 4 this verse really took a hold of me this year and it says speaking of god the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are just the faithful god who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. Many times I have questioned that in my life. Are you the God who does no wrong? Because maybe you don't know that I'm hurting right now. Maybe you don't see what's happening in my life because I don't know how many more minutes I can take this heartache. Have You done wrong concerning me? Have you done wrong concerning my children or my family, God? Because I don't think you know. I don't think you're here. Aren't these what we really feel in the darkness? I had my own challenge in my faith this last year and it's a very vulnerable story that i questioned if i was going to share it but i really believe that vulnerability creates community when someone else says i'm hurting it opens up a door for so many other people to say oh i've been there I understand, you have no idea what I'm going through. And we can bring, come into this place and bring hope to one another. And if we can't come into this building, being, a, being the God's house, being surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ and say, I'm hurting, I don't know where else we're gonna go. Because it's nothing else in the world is gonna work for the kind of pain that, the, that we are carrying. Now, this little six-year-old girl really impacted my life in a very personal way because one day she was in the house and she came running down the stairs and she opened up her arms to me and she says, Mama, to me. Now, as sweet as that moment was, in a split second I became so angry at God because for years I have had doctors tell me, You're probably never going to have children, Jody. Just wash your hands of the idea. There's too many issues going on, and this is probably not in the cards for you, so deal with it. And I've come to peace with that if it never happens. But my point is, I'm looking at a six-year-old girl that has been raped multiple times, and I'm saying to God, why didn't you just give her to me? Because I would have made sure that no one touched her inappropriately. I would have made sure that she had a safe home, that she was loved and she was cherished, and she would never question who she really is. Why didn't you give her to me? Well, when I was telling a friend about how I was feeling, they said. Isn't it so interesting that at the darkest time of her life, how God sent her to you? And I said, yeah. And I started thinking even more, because what nobody knew is that one week before she arrived, my father died, and I was in a dark place. I was hurting And I was grieving. And I just kept going through the pain. And I held this little girl. And God sends this little six-year-old girl to be my ray of sunshine and to hold on to me and to say, Mama, I'm counting on you. And God says, I see you, Jody. I see you hurting and you're brokenhearted. But I'm going to send this little girl to you to remind you how much I love you in your darkness. And the reason I share that is because I want you to understand that no matter what you are going through and no matter where you go, God is going to provide for you whatever it is you need to get you through that darkness. My, my moment with God came in the form of a six-year-old little girl. And I don't know what it's going to be for you. It could be another donkey who talks. I don't know. But the, but the point is, is that God is going to do what he has to do to get your attention. So you know, I am the faithful God who does no wrong in your life. And I am showing up here to make sure you never forget it. That is the word for you Today. We have to remind ourselves in the darkness, in the trial, in the fire, who God is. We have to look back. Look back to when you first said his name and you first came to him. Look back at what he has done in your life. We have to go back and we have to remember who he is. Because if we don't, that darkness, that storm is going to drown you out and there's no anchor. We have to look at who God is. Now in Joshua 4, Joshua led the Israelites with the Ark of the Covenant through the sea. And when they went through the water, the water split, and they went through on dry ground. And when they got to the other side, the Lord said to them, I want you to take the 12 men from each tribe of Israel, and I want you to take a stone. Each man would have a stone, and they would make a pillar. Now, it would be much, much bigger than what I've put in here today, but it was a huge pillar, and it was to mark the miracle of God. It was to mark what what God did for the people so that they wouldn't forget it. And it was to be a testimony of the people's faith. But he even said, when your children see this pillar and they ask what these stones are for, I want you to tell them it's because of who I am and what I did. So God wasn't even thinking about us as the generation. He was thinking of the next generation to come so your children can look back and say, yes, God was faithful even then in their darkness. And so in our life, we have to go to our stones. And I want to ask you today if you have set up stones in your life to represent what God has done for you. We go to these places and we can pick up a stone and we can say, Lord, I'm still walking in the darkness, but I have this stone right here And this is going to, to, to remember, this is going to be a symbol of when you provided for my family, when we didn't know how we were going to pay our bills. And I'm going to put that right there, Lord, so I remember that you are my provider. And we take another stone and we say, you know what? I'm going to remember you, Lord, even though I'm hurting right now and even though my heart is breaking, I am going to remember that you healed my body. When I got a diagnosis of cancer, you came into my life and you put me with the right doctors and you healed me, and I'm going to put that right in the center so I always have that in the forefront of my mind. And then this one is for when you restored my marriage, when I didn't think we would ever talk again, and you brought a healing into our hearts, and I'm going to put that right over here. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you did that for me. Now this one right here, Lord, this is for my family, the family that that I never thought that I would be close to. You restored us, Lord, and so I thank you so much. You have done that for me. And you just keep building your pillar. Where are your stones? Do you have stones laid in your life where you can look back and say that God has been faithful? Do you have stones in your life where you can say, You have been there. Lord, I'm going to put this down for the time that I was hopeless, for the time that I didn't want to live anymore, for the time where I thought that my life was going nowhere. You gave me hope again. This one right here. I'm going to put this down, Lord, because... You never leave me alone. Because at nighttime, when I cry and I feel all alone, I can feel your presence over me. And I look back and I can say, God is the faithful God who does no wrong. I can look back and I can say, you have always been there. So my question to you is, do you have your stones? Do you have places marked in your life where you know God has been? Because when you seek, you will find, and you will find the fingerprints of God everywhere in your life if you look for him. You will not find a God who fails. You will not find a God who leaves you. You will not find a God who rejects you. You will not find a God who who might seem annoyed with all your questions. No, he wants you to come. He wants you to come. And he's saying today, choose me. Choose me in the darkness. I know that you're holding on for a miracle. I know you're holding on for an answer. But put your stone down. Where have I been before? Where have I been before in your life? Look for him. You will not find a God who will forsake you. Every single thing that's important to you in your life is important to God. Every single detail of your life, he remembers you in everything. He thinks of you in everything. He is God, and he will not miss one thing in your life. Some of you think that God does not even see you today. And I'm telling you, I came all the way from Mexico to tell you God is here saying, choose me. I am here. I love you. I am for you. I am not going to leave you or forsake you. Come. And you experience God's love in the deepest way. And you see his hand. And when you can't see his hand, you trust his heart for you. Today, I want to ask if there's anybody here that maybe has never given their life to Christ before. And you say, you don't even know the, the pain I'm in, but I'm in such darkness and I have to get out of this. It's calling on the name of Jesus and saying, Jesus, help me. I'm here. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to boldly come up and I want you to take a stone. I want you to lay this down as the foundation of your pillar of rocks, your pillar to remember God. If there's anybody here today who doesn't know Jesus and wants help out of that darkness, I want you to come down and take your first stone.